Hello, everyone, and welcome to Badminton Lights Out, a feature of the Badminton Podcast. Where we take you behind the scenes of high-performance badminton. I'm Grania. I'm Justine, and welcome to the pod. Today's episode, we're going to go behind the scenes on Grania's Euro trip. Welcome, Gran. <laughs> Good to be here. I have been in Europe for a month so far, and it's been great to be back on tour and playing tournaments and freezing my ass off over here. <laughs> Yeah. Is, is it weird that you had to go from like hot Australia to cold or were you enjoying the cold? Initially it wasn't so bad. So Australia was still kind of like semi-cold some days. And then I went to like Denmark first where it was a bit cold, but not like freezing, but now it's starting to get pretty cold. I'm in Saarbrück in Germany currently and it is seven degrees. That was kind of like degrees. the maximum today. <laughs> It's, it's, um, what time is it? It's like eight in the morning for me right now. And it's 16 degrees. It's like double. And what's it like? Um, do you miss having your own car? Like, you know, the convenience of driving everywhere? Are you enjoying like walking and cycling or whatever you're doing? Um, it's nice. I kind of just see it as an adventure. Like I took a scooter out the other day and the route I picked was like the bike route on Google maps. And it went down this kind of like mountain bike track. And I was just on the e-scooter like, ah, shit, 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 shit. And I was just like, okay, this is just a fun adventure going through like the autumn leaves. Just yeah, kind yeah. of trying to put positive spins on <laughs> random things that happen. It's an experience. <laughs> yeah. Nah, but I'm really, I'm really enjoying it so far. That's good. That's good. Now, just a quick word from our sponsors. As people who love badminton, we all know that it's not just about the sport itself. It's about the connections you make and the things that it teaches you as a person that you're able to bring to all of the other parts of your life. That's why we want to introduce you to the book Mirror of Magico, written by Al Liao, a former Taiwanese national badminton player who is as passionate about badminton as us. For those who love Harry Potter, you want to give this one a read because Al has authored a fantasy story where three different characters with varying personalities go on a journey of adventure and learning. And they realize that things don't just happen to you, they happen because of you. And by being yourself and spending time in your dreams, you can conquer the evils and be the best version of yourself. So make sure you check it out. Mirror of Magico, written by Ao Liao. You can find it in all leading bookstores and we'll leave the link in the podcast description. All right, so we're going to talk about the badminton side of things. So you recently, I actually saw that you had recently had a Q&A, right? And you had quite a few questions. So maybe we can tackle those questions here on the pod to go, like dive more into it. Okay, so... For those who have been following your journey on the tournament um, circuit, right, they might have noticed that you don't play singles, so you've been playing with different people on tour. So what's it like? Like, how do you find partners? Like, how do you know who to contact when you look for a partner? Yeah, so pretty much I was planning to come to Europe with um, Sediana, my partner from Australia, but some things changed with that. So I last minute had to 
kind of see what other options I had. So I wanted to play mixed doubles already. And I was wanting to do that for the French Open and the German Open, which are, I think, 750 and 500 Super Series tournaments. So pretty high up there, which meant I needed to find someone with a high ranking to qualify or to make the main draw. So for that, I literally just went to the world ranking list in mixed doubles and went down from the top and was trying to think of which boys might not have a partner. So the two that I asked were Josh, Joshua Yu from Canada, because I knew he was splitting with his, his partner. Um, after the Olympics um, and he wasn't playing tournaments. So then I asked Ronan Labar from France as well, because he had just left the national team. And I saw on Instagram that Anne was kind of saying that she's finishing with her partners, who is his old mixed partner. Um, so I asked him and yeah, he was happy to partner for these two tournaments. And so the logistics is that, yeah, I messaged him, I asked him, we discussed it. And then we both just tell our federation. So badminton Australia and uh, badminton, French Federation that we want to enter and then they will enter us both in the tournament um and yeah and then also for the German Open um Jenny Moore from England saw that I was going to play and didn't have a partner and so she messaged me and said that she was happy to play some tournaments in Europe if I wanted to and so yeah we entered the German Open same thing and oh that my. was the night before entries closed so it's a little bit last minute <laughs> Oh, speak, oh, good, good transition because I actually wanted to bring this up. Like, uh, entries actually close pretty early, like right before the tournament. So, how many months is it usually before the entries close? Probably about one month at least before for these bigger ones. Sometimes the smaller ones, like international challenge or series, might be like two weeks, three weeks before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, was it like a bit stressful? How much time did you have before entries closed for mix and doubles um, to find a partner? Or did you have quite a bit of time? The mixed was quite a bit of time, maybe like two months. And then, yeah, the women's doubles was the pretty much the week. So, so entries always close on like a Tuesday night, Malaysian time. And so we were mm -hmm. messaging on the weekend. And then I think like Monday we did the entries. So is it possible, like you had mentioned before, that you have to um, get the national association to enter yourself into the tournament right is it possible that the national association will like refuse to enter you into the tournament or? yeah so I think a lot of the I guess bigger national teams maybe especially the Asian ones they don't really support players partnering other countries because ultimately the players are kind of employees of the federation the mm. you know association and they they want to do what's in the interest of them really, which is partnering you with one of their players and, you know, you both representing the country together. So mm. it's probably the European countries more in the smaller ones, you know, like other small countries where the players are more independent, where they have the flexibility to partner partners from other countries, but technically through like BWF, anyone can partner anyone through uh, from another country, as long as both the associations enter them. But that is one of the issues that I guess badminton faces is that the association still has so much power in that they can mm -hmm. refuse to enter players. And I know some players, you know, have got banned from playing tournaments just because their association wasn't happy with something they did or, you know, the other things like that. So it would be nice to have players to have the independence to do how mm. they like. True, true. All right, so we'll go back to your partners, right? So now that you found partners, did you manage to find time to train with them or did you just like show up on court and be like, let's do this? <laughs> yeah, so um, I guess because these were big tournaments and I hadn't played 
any tournaments really since the Olympics. I wanted to still approach it as professionally as I could. So I, I went to the south of France where Ronan um, lived a few days before the French Open or before we had to get to the French Open. So I had two training sessions with him there. And that was really good. We played against the Popovs, which are a great men's doubles pair in France. And yeah, I got to see some of the south of France in Marseille. So that was awesome. Um, yeah, and just to get familiar, I feel like mixed is a little bit easier because the girl kind of just goes forward and <laughs> plays the net. <laughs> Whereas um, with Jenny, when we got to Germany, we I joined a few more of her training sessions with the English team as opposed to with the French team, like I did at the French Open. Um, and yeah, the the women's doubles was a bit, you know, there's a lot more, I guess, rotations and different things to set up for your partner from the back and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so it was good to train with her against some of the, like the women's doubles girls from England as well um, before the before the tournament, because with COVID right now, you actually have to arrive at the tournament on the Sunday and then you might not play till Tuesday or Wednesday. So there's pretty much at least two to three training sessions you can do together before then. Mm, and speaking of COVID, like for you to be able to travel anywhere, right? Do you have to do a lot of COVID tests before you get into the country? And what's it like in Europe? Because I know in New Zealand, if you don't have access to come to this country, you just can't, like it's ridiculous. So what's it like to get into Europe with the whole COVID thing? It's actually pretty chill. So as long as you're double vaccinated, you can pretty much travel anywhere. But mm -hmm. it's BWF that have put in place all these um, COVID requirements. So you have to do you have to check into the hotel by that Sunday before the tournament and have a COVID test then once you arrive and then you you have to isolate till you get the negative result back. Mm -hmm. And then I think throughout the week, they also do like two or three more tests and um, then one before you fly to the next place. But if you're kind of outside of, you know, the badminton world, you can pretty much travel to any country and just follow their you know, local COVID guidelines, which for most of them is if you're fully vaccinated, you just enter and maybe just That's fill out a crazy. whereabouts form. That's all. Yeah. That's, what, is this, what the heck? Are you used to getting COVID tests now? Like up your nose? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I feel like I am from, you know, the Olympics and like Thailand. Oh, Thailand, yeah. All the time. So yeah, I'm really used to it. I don't find it that bad at all. <laughs> I've yet to try one. So I'm like, oh, you haven't had one? No, no. Oh my goodness, nothing would, nothing would. You're not even like part of this pandemic. I know. It's because I'm just imagine always in my you, Imagine telling your kids, there was this pandemic back in 2020, but I never got a COVID test. My kids, you mean my puppies, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's actually crazy. I feel like because in Australia, because I guess New Zealand, we haven't had, you know, that many cases. Mm. So we don't even know that many people that have had COVID. Whereas on tour, like, I swear like 70% of the badminton players have all had it. <laughs> really? Yeah, like That's a lot crazy. of badminton players have had COVID from, and they're like the only people I know that have really had it. I should do a thing and like go up to every player and be like, have you had COVID? Have you had COVID? <laughs> just like make Are they real chill talk, talk, like, talking about it? Are they chill? They're like, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Like I was talking to Igor and Nat, Brazilian and Irish guys, and they both had it and they were yeah, I was asking like their symptoms and then they were both saying, or Nat was saying how like he couldn't think clearly afterwards. So then anytime he says something dumb now, we're like, oh, it's just COVID brain. Like it's just, just that long COVID. <laughs> just so something to blame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. But no, I can't believe that's so normal there. Now, just a quick word from our sponsors. The Badminton Podcast is brought to you by Volant. 
Valance was first born out of our frustration with the confusing, bright and unsightly clothes and equipment that we saw in the badminton world. But now it's so much more than that. Our mission is to accelerate the growth of badminton by providing players with products that enhance their love for the sport. All in all, it's high quality gear that makes you look and feel great on and off the court. So make sure you check us out at volantbadminton.com and follow us on our socials at volantbadminton. But okay, so back to your back to your um, tournament seed. So how was it like um, once you finish all the training? How was it like um, on court? Like, did you have a coach, or was it like really chill? I guess you wouldn't have any expectations right when you get on court because it's your first time playing. So what was what was the difference between the mindset between you um, with your normal partners and like with new ones? That was yeah. Yeah, it was a little bit different because I didn't really know how seriously they wanted to take it. Like mm-hmm. usually, you know, if I have my set partner, then, you know, it's it's a big deal for every tournament where with our coach, we're doing our analysis, we're, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I guess like talking through our game plan, that kind of thing. But because this is just kind of two, like one or two off tournaments um, and it's not like a long-term thing, I guess we didn't take it as professionally. Like I did in a way and I trained with them and everything. And, you know, we talked about our opponents, but we didn't like sit down, watch the video. Um, like with mm-hmm. Ronan, he didn't, uh, he doesn't really have like a kind of set coach where he trains. So we didn't have a coach for our match, um, that kind of thing. And then with Jenny, um, we did a little bit of analysis because analysis because she had her coach there. And I was like, yeah, I would, I would like to, you know, see what your coach has to say and kind of learn from him and, um, I think we have a good chance first round, especially. So um, let's like do it properly and professionally. Um, so that was good. So we did our analysis and then he sat behind us on the court. Um, yeah. And it was mm. good. Do you, do you feel, find it more assuring having a coach behind you or you don't mind having no coach with you? I definitely feel more comfortable with a coach. It's just, yeah, I guess it's just that reassurance and somebody that can, you can bounce ideas off mm. and yeah, yeah, I definitely feel a lot better with a coach there. And with uh, um, playing with Ronan, right? Because he speaks French, obviously. Did you like learn any French words that he might say on court or something, or no? <laughs> were you just speaking English the whole time? Um, I learned "aller," which is like "come on," and then yeah. I learned the uh, a swear word. <laughs> <laughs> he said it like repeatedly after we lost our first. <laughs> match in France um 22 20 the third set like every five seconds he'd just say it and we're like oh, <laughs> oh okay, okay I know what this word is now <laughs> so good so was it a good experience overall like playing with new people yeah it was awesome um the French Open especially was really good like we had a great match against the runners-up in the end and I've never really played with like a, a very high level mixed doubles partner no offense to um, Simon, <laughs> Simon, my, Simon, my normal Australian partner. Yeah. But Rona, you know, it's been like top 30, mm. top 40 in mixed doubles. So it was kind of nice to have that like level um, on court behind me, you know, with the stability in his shots, his setup, his um, mm. like tactics, that kind of thing. And to have like such a competitive match against a top pair as well um, was, was really a great experience for me. And then, of course, because he's French, the French crowd, was there and it was the first tournament I've played in such a long time that had a crowd and it was just awesome you know he was like yeah. pumping up his fist to the crowd and they were going crazy and it was it was like just so fun to be on court again in that environment so 
yeah it was awesome oh yeah i forget like i forget that um we can actually have you know audience and tournaments now it's so crazy and well i wanted to ask you this uh, what was the thing obviously because you every time you play with someone you learn something that they do right to apply to your game what was the one thing that you took in your backpack with playing with ronin i don't know it was just kind of a pretty much like normal mix like it was just more consistent wasn't it like yeah yeah pretty much just quality and the consistency was higher nothing major i guess okay (laughs) so mixed doubles players out there just be more consistent and have better quality really (laughs) it's like every you know asian coach is like just be more consistent just like hit it better yeah (laughs) but like what's the training that i actually need to do to get better (laughs) so we're gonna start talking about what it's like outside the tournament like so how you maintain your own um you know training or how you maintain your level while you're away because it's really hard especially in a different country where you're out of routine right and there's nothing normal you don't have your own gym you don't have people you spar with so how do you how do you maintain it like how do you track your training yeah so it's been like very I guess haphazard with you know my changing schedule having different flight schedules joining different groups to train with so I mean initially when I got to Aarhus I was just commentating that whole week so training wasn't even a priority so I pretty much just tried to get on court as much as I could like joining mm. the can- Canadian team for a few sessions I had a session with Sana Newell. she she let me use her coach like we would alternate I didn't actually like hit with her that much um but yeah okay. things like that just trying to ask players if, and teams if I can join them and then um just trying to get gym access wherever I can or you know doing a run or something that's like no equipment if I can't get access but pretty much usually like when I'm back in Australia, I track my training week in an Excel spreadsheet. So I put in my court sessions, my gym sessions, and I rank them out of the like intensity from one to three. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I just tried to replicate that when I'm away. So, you know, especially around tournaments, it's a lot more challenging to, I guess, prioritize pushing yourself as much because you kind of want to feel good for that tournament or especially if you have a lot of matches then you you know you can't fit as in you might not be able to fit in your gym session or you know you have to take some things off but um pretty much I'm trying to still keep my court sessions up to at least like six sessions a week and you know where possible do a technical session or even just like some heavy racket in the room that kind of thing just to get the you know the same muscle memory in that yeah that sort of thing and then I have minimum that I have to do one like heavy leg weight session one upper body session and one bike session so the bike is probably the thing that I drop off um if I need to Mm -hmm. because like I get my court fitness from my court training and like typically back in Australia I would do two bike sessions so I've already kind of dropped one off um but yeah I mainly just try and keep those three gym um bike sessions yeah and then, uh, yeah, trying to make sure I get enough courts, court time. Who who decides your program? Like, do you make your own program when you're away, or do you have a coach you talk to? You mean like in the in the court session? Uh no, for gym, for gym. Uh, yeah. So I have my trainers back in Australia who write the sessions, but because pretty much whenever I go away, we kind of just keep the same session. So I'm not mm-hmm. trying new exercises. Introducing you, or- yeah. Yeah, not getting dom. So it's pretty much like it's a bit boring, but it's pretty much just the same session. And mm. you know, I I know I have learned how do I how to adapt it if I need to, if the gym, you know, doesn't have this certain piece of equipment or the yeah. weights are different, whatever. 
Mm. And what about on court? Like, do you do your own program or do you usually just adapt to who you're sparring with at the time? Because usually you'd be training yeah. with coaches, right? Or is it like on your own? Um, so during the training week at the tournaments, it's mostly like I'm kind of just hitting with whoever I can. So mm-hmm. a lot of the time it'll just be like two other players maybe. And then we just do 2v1 and you pick your own drills. So in that, I just try to keep like make it so that I'm able to kind of hit every spot. So I do a bit of rear mid court, a bit of mid court, a bit of front court, a bit of defense, mm-hmm. uh, like you know, like fast driving defense and then long defense. But um, when I have the chance and I join like the club training in Denmark or the national training here in Germany, then I just follow their program and um, just try and learn like how they do things and note down any interesting drills that they do or, you know, the ways that coaches cue the athletes or things to focus on that kind of thing as well. And then if I feel like I need to, I'll try and top up my own sessions Um like I'll do a footwork session if I feel like I haven't done enough physical this week or um, ask a player to do technical with if I feel like I need to do something extra as well. Nice. nice. And with all this, like in the background, do you, how do you manage your injuries? Like do you get yeah, injured so, or you're just like superwoman where you're like, don't get injured at all? <laughs> no. So I get injured like pretty easily up until the Olympics. I actually was able to maintain a, a really high training load and not have much injuries. But I did something stupid in August because I, I wasn't training much. So I was like, oh, I feel like I need a really tough session. So I went to the gym and I did sprints on the treadmill and like I hadn't been running that much. And then I just, like, <laughs> then I just decided to do sprints. I was like, no, it's fine. I can do this. It's, I'll just do like a little bit of sprints. And then I like kind of strained my adductor a little bit. So then I, I was back in Copenhagen and I was a bit worried about it because I hadn't had this injury before. So I didn't really know the extent of the risk of if I kept training or not. Mm-hmm. So I asked Peter Gate if he knew any physios and he um, connected me with one. So I went and saw her and she just said, you know, it's just a small strain and um, gave me some exercise and that kind of thing. So I guess just when I need to, I use the contacts around me. Like mm-hmm. it's great knowing so many players who mm-hmm. can connect you with coaches and like wherever you, whatever country you go through the badminton community, you can just find a player and they'll help you out, which is one of the greatest things about this community. Um, mm-hmm. And then like, on, during tournaments, I have asked like the Malaysian physio to treat me and I've just paid him, you know, for that as well. So um, things like that. And then some tournaments have their own physio, um, which you can access. When, and when tournaments have their own physio, do you have to pay extra or is it just like covered by the tournament? Um, I went to the German one here and that was free. So that's good. That's good. Because I know here in New Zealand, like physio is free. But then when we went to Australia and we played some tournaments in the like, this amount and we're like what we've never had to pay for physio (laughs) yeah I think it just depends on the tournament and what arrangement they have I've also done um like a we call it tally health in Australia so I like Mm. video call my my physio in Australia if I mainly if I want to check up on a kind of ongoing injury that I have or, or sometimes a new one and they kind of just tell me more the steps I need to take in terms of like my load management or the rehab exercises, that kind of thing. Obviously they can't, you know, touch it and really assess it properly, yeah. but more so kind of talking me through the management steps is what they, mm. they do in that situation. You know, fun fact, I heard that like when physios do their courses now, they have like a telehealth course because like oh. telehealth is so, you know, popular these days. So they actually have to learn how to treat people 
through telehealth when they can't have that access. To makes sense. Yeah. It'd probably just be like, you need to move your phone down. <laughs> like, yeah. I can see your shoulder, but I need to see your knee. <laughs> yeah. And you probably like, like have to learn how to instruct people how where to touch them or themselves yeah. or something. Okay. So we've talked about pretty much on and off court, but we'll talk about like mental health side of it. Like, how do you, because traveling on your own will be very tough, right? Like, do you, how do you manage it? What do you do? <laughs> I feel like because I've been in lockdown in Australia for like two years. Now you're like <laughs> a I'm just tough like, woman. Yeah, I, can't t- I can take anything. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I, I think I'm pretty resilient, but it's more so just like, I'm just so happy to be free. So, mm. you know, even when shit stuff is happening here, I'm just like, oh, it's all right. Like you, you'll yeah. be fine. And I'm yeah I'm just like I guess I'm just in a really good mindset and so happy to just be competing traveling learning from different coaches clubs and you know that kind of thing so yeah I'm just I'm just enjoying it so far and yeah I've probably had like one super down a day and as I told you I think it was more like PMS Um, (laughs) but everything was just going wrong I had like I had to get these shirts printed in a rush before my competition the next day and it was raining and I didn't know how to get there. This was right before you left, right? No, this is once I was here. Oh, was you here? Oh, this was this week. And like my my SIM card wasn't working and I topped it up twice and it like still wasn't working. It's just everything like was not going to plan. I was like, this is shit. And then, and then like, I don't know it's just like a choice like I was just feeding yeah. into the negative self talk and I was just like yeah there's a shit everything sucks blah 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 <laughs> and then I got it sorted and I was like okay it's good it's fine like just focus on your match you're all good eat some junk food a little bit <laughs> don't feel too guilty and then we're good yeah. <laughs> that's so funny like you guys you guys have been in lockdown I well, you guys Melbourne how long was Melbourne lockdown for like two well, like 280 days or something you're just built different now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess the thing here is that like I'm I'm in my own room a lot. So it's kind of a bit boring and it's getting so cold and like dark and rainy that you don't really want to go out that much. Mm. So I have had days where I'm just like, oh, like I'm so over this room. So over like just watching TV shows or even like, like I'm talking to my friends and family online and facetiming them and stuff but I just need like that human interaction but it's good like I know so many players that I can kind of just message them and hang out and yeah that's really nice and are you are you homesick how long have you been away for now so far I've been away for one month pretty much exactly and then I have two months left to go Ooh. oh what do you plan to do for Christmas Christmas I'm planning just to like kind of skip it like it's just another day <laughs> I don't know Christmas isn't really a big deal to me actually most yeah. days aren't really a big deal to me um <laughs> no but actually like- Europe, Europe Europe is really re- has got really good Christmas vibes so you're gonna enjoy it there right because I don't think it's that big here in Australia New Zealand like it doesn't feel very Christmassy you know but in yeah Europe, it's like because we're in summer yeah in New Zealand. everyone over here like can't comprehend that it's summer I'm like yeah we like have barbecues and like sit by the pool and they're like what yeah. <laughs> like how do you get cozy <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah so I think all the Christmas markets and stuff will start soon which which is one of the awesome things about Europe but um, by that time, so my last tournament, so I have next uh, Irish Open, Scottish Open, uh, Wales Open, 
And these are all going to be played with like Simon and Wendy Chen from Australia um, as my partners. And then the last one is World Champs in December um, in Spain. So then my plan is to take a holiday around Spain and Portugal where it's like hopefully still warm. One of my best friends is coming as well. So yeah, just going to have a good time and enjoy the sunshine and explore those cities that will that I need to organize to <laughs> hopefully have somewhere to stay, some, a way to get around by then. I love when it like got to the organization, organization but you're like, I have to organize. Oh, shoot. I, <laughs> I literally like have a list of to-dos on my phone and it's just getting so long. That's another thing about traveling by myself. Like I'm booking everything myself. I'm checking all the accommodation and the flights and yeah. It's, it's full on. It takes up like a lot of time. But it sounds like you're handling things really well. So proud of you. And I love how I'm like, <laughs> very proud of you. And I love the memes you send me. Like I wake up and it's like three in the morning because <laughs> it's going to be like your 3 p.m. Like what is this girl doing sending me memes? Or like the other day you messaged me and then it was like my 11 a.m. And, and in my head, I'm like, why, why is she still messaging me? I'm like, go to sleep. I'm tired free. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's actually one new thing that I started doing when I'm like sad or or bored. I've started like searching up memes and then I just send them to people and then it starts conversations and <laughs> that's good. That's good. So for like we're probably gonna have to wrap this up because we can talk about this forever since we never run out of things to say. What's like the um if you if someone was gonna do a solo trip um for you know tournaments what's your number one tip or advice that you could give them um have a melbourne lockdown and it'll be built different (laughs) yeah no more tip would probably be to try and reach out to other players and training centers so that you have some uh like other people to train with and stay with and accompany you i guess so that Mm -hmm. you know you're not like literally by yourself the whole time (laughs) and you can learn from all these different people as well i think it's great yeah that's true so for the old introverts out there, get extroverted. No, I'm kidding. Get out of your comfort zone. Just get into people's DMs. Thank you for listening to Badminton Lights Out by the Badminton Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. Don't forget to like, comment, and share this episode available on all platforms. Follow us on Instagram. The handle is at the Badminton Podcast, no spaces, and at Badminton Lights Out, no spaces. Stay tuned for our next episode.